Hey, work. Welcome to St. Augustine this evening, the Mike Davis <laughs> Show. We have all kinds of guests for you here tonight. A return guest that you're going to love. Oh. Uh, but we just want to uh, applaud ourselves, pat ourselves on the back, because um, we are the podcast that works this week. Yeah. Yep. I know that Pete Melfi and the rest of the crew are working their tails off to get Florida Man Games ready. Mm-hmm. But we're the podcast that works this week. We are the ones The rest that of them are working on Florida Man Games, which we hope is wildly successful for one Mr. Melfi, who has worked his tail off to get this thing done. And we're going to talk about the Florida Man Games today a little bit, but we've also got all kinds of other fun things for you. So it's February the 19th. It's yep. President's Day. Unlike all kinds of people who took a pseudo-holiday off, we work today. So we like working. Amanda was working because, you know, she's homeschooling. Yes. And if she's homeschooling, she's working. So let's make a little bit of money so we can continue to work. <laughs> Pay my tuition. That's right. Opening the doors in 2008, the Brightway Insurance Agency, the Casey Agency, has proudly stood by their customers through hurricanes, major floods, hail, and fires. Through these events, the agency has become a much-needed insurance resource in times of trouble and hardship. Honesty and integrity are the pillars of their core values, says Ashley Casey, and they pride themselves on being insurance experts while developing strategies to help their clients meet their insurance needs. Give them a call, Brightway Insurance, the Casey Agency. They're great folks. They insure this show. In fact, they just got my bill, so I know they insure this show. (laughs) Well, they do if you pay that bill, Mike. Oh, I'm paying the bill. It is tax season. Get your taxes done with Bear Kresge & Associates. They are a full-service local CPA firm with a team of skilled professionals dedicated to providing top-level service in the area of tax compliance and planning for businesses, individuals, estates, and trusts. They do audits, reviews, and other accounting services. Don't forget those business valuations, forensic analysis, and litigation support. You can reach them at 904-460-0747 or online at abearkreskycpa.com. And our friends at SolarStick. SolarStick was established in 2006 They are a local portable power company proudly committed to American manufacturing, constant innovation, and creating jobs right here in St. Augustine, Florida. SolarStick's focus on providing solutions for self-sufficiency helps users all over the world complete missions and save lives. SolarStick, changing lives, saving lives, and reviving American manufacturing. And Bozard Ford Lincoln in St. Augustine, their goal is to make sure your time and experience buying a new or used car is stress-free, fun, and enjoyable. Bozard is a family-owned Ford dealership that has been in business here in St. Augustine since 1949. They've also been the recipient of numerous awards, including being ranked the number one automotive dealership in the nation by Dealer Raider. Bozard Ford has also won back-to-back President's Awards, which is the highest honor given to the dealers by Ford Motor Company. Check them out today online at BozardFord.com, or better yet, go see Bo and Letty and all their amazing staff. And while you're there, stop off and get the Jiffy Burger at Ford's Garage or all the other places that you can go in town and get some burger named after the morning show or some food. <laughs> or Troy or Bollocks. Or Troy or, or Bollocks or whatever. God, those guys love to get stuff named after them. We need to talk to the Tringali family and see if we can get a pizza named after I, us. I think they're compensating for something. <laughs> maybe a little bit. I'm just saying. I think they are. Maybe, maybe not. And also, just so Pete knows, Amanda and I did not wreck the studio. No, Pete knows. We don't know what happened in here. 
P knows. Uh, Clay and I were discussing... The cameras are a little off. Sorry for the shots, guys. Um, Clay and I were discussing the the situation. It was askew all weekend. It was... I'm just happy they were put somewhat back in place so I didn't have to put it together because Mondays are a hard day for me to get here early. All right. Pete, we didn't do it. That's all I wanted to say. Amanda went into a great explanation. I just want you to know we didn't do it. Pete did it. <laughs> did he really? Yeah, he knows. Was he here for the whole thing? So Clay told me he wasn't going to do it. Ah. So since it was done, Pete had to have. I'm giving him credit. I'm not taking any of the blame. That's all I want is I want to be blameless and nameless in this. Either that or Clay felt really bad because I looked scared yesterday. Mm-hmm. So one way or the other, it got done. <laughs> I know. I, I just couldn't do it. All right. Uh, we're all glad you're here. We have a, a former guest host who's with us all the time for uh-huh. quite a while. Uh, Matt yeah. Jeffs, welcome back. Yay. It's good to be back. It, Thank it's you. It's nice to have you back. <laughs> and you brought the younger... Better looking, more intelligent, wow, you more athletic version of yourself. Jared, welcome to the show. Thank no you. pressure, Thanks Jared. for having me. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he remembered that. Don't flood yeah, anything. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How about a setup, Take anything huh? past yeah. Mike, yeah. Jared, I'd ask you for money, but I know you don't have any right now, so. <laughs> Can't help you with that. I know, Sorry, I know, man. I know. Jared. Like my kids. You're working hard at it. When yeah, you get an you intro know. like that, you go, you've been a great audience, and get <laughs> out of here because it, you yeah, know, well. Don't drop the mic when you that tomorrow. <laughs> we can't break anything. I wouldn't anymore. want to tarnish the name of the great Mike Davis show. No, don't no, 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 no. do that. But, but Matt, it's nice to have you back. You're in town part of the year, part of the year. You're up in North Carolina. That's correct. So uh, you decided to avoid uh, the winter in North Carolina? You know, it's not that big of a winter. It's really not so much the cold. Mm-hmm. It's the slate gray sky here. Mm-hmm. And I thought I was escaping that here, but this winter's been like, what is that? He's a snowbird now. Yeah, mm-hmm. I guess, technically. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what it is, but He's it's... He's been a snowbird since he showed up to school in, that's the, true. in the seventh grade. Yeah, yeah. that's true. Yeah, that's yeah. true. Yeah. Yeah. He does his homework. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, you told the story. I just remembered it. <laughs> wow. He's impressing me. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. I do listen to things occasionally. I better, no better watch what you what, say. Did you say something, Amanda? <laughs> the camera keeps going out. No. Oh, nice. Somebody unplugged it. I'm going to have to fix it. All right. We got this. We're, you know what? We're adaptable. We can we can move yep. on. Yeah. Um, but no, so you, you have really just walked into one of the worst winters. Yeah. What is this? Not cold, just rainy, gray, gray windy. The, sur- the surf temp dropped into the upper 50s in January mm-hmm. and has stayed there for like three weeks, which is highly unusual for us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's highly unusual yeah. in February, the middle of February for it is still to be 59 degrees. So yeah. that has not been pleasant. The pool that I train in is at, was at 57 one day. What do you train in? What do you, do you paddle in? We go paddle. Yeah, it's like uh, surfboards, but surfboard and a paddle and you go paddle. It's, it's the only way to kind of get ready for your training. You got to, you have to physically do the things mm-hmm. you're going to do mm-hmm. on a surf trip. So paddling is the one thing. I used to do that back in the day when I was in the uh, Gainesville area and I worked mm-hmm. out of uh, uh, Ocala. So prior to a trip, I would bring my board. I would attach my leash some, to something mm-hmm. and then paddle against the the rebound of the leash just mm-hmm. to get your muscles up. You're exactly yeah. right. You, yeah, so we usually swim for about yeah. 30 minutes. Um, it's kind of that cold water Plunge yeah. thing for an extended period of time. Yeah. Um, and I don't really, I mean, during the summer, it's not bad. No. 
Um, but wintertime, it's cold. It, it, sometimes it's taken my feet like a day and a half to warm back up. <laughs> I, got, I got a little nib of frostbite off my small toe a few years ago. Yeah. Did you really? Because it was like 45 degree air with 48 degree water. It was with the polar vortex. And so it dipped the water temperature into the 40s for a few days. But it was so good. I was out for four hours wow. without any protection on my feet. So I'm glad I only got that. I, I remember <laughs> surfing for four hours. That was decades ago yeah, for me, yeah, though. Yeah, I did too, during the yeah. summer. Yeah. I'm, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm like an hour at a time. He'll That's, tell you. I'm just pathetic. That now. was when Volano was actually doing its thing. Though. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah there now. Day, I know. We don't have a good sandbar right now. <laughs> There's no, no good mm-hmm. sandbar. If you, and then St. Augustine right now, if you're a surfer, is famous for these 45-minute windows of epic waves. Which photographers yep. will catch, yep. but if you're the surfer, you're never there when yep. they're there. To, it's almost like I want to put a tracker on the photographer's car oh, yeah. when I see him headed to the beach and oh, I see yeah. a follow up. Good well, idea. You, you used to always say the the four things never lined up. And the yeah. wind, swell, tide. Yeah, it was like it was like the the planets align, mm-hmm. and then you better get out there because mm-hmm. it was only so long. Yeah, yeah. there's little window. I yeah. heard a very interesting. Um, uh, theory on the St. Augustine surf culture page on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Uh, a longtime guy, I didn't even know, commented that one of the things that may have made our bathymetry, a word I learned from Jared, mm-hmm. the bottom, so good in the 70s and 60s, I heard that was before my time, was Dora. That Dora pushed a bunch of sand and it's a good theory Mm -hmm. it really is she pushed a bunch of sand in and i said you know i can't argue with that that's actually plausible and that's what gave us funny point and middles and blowhole and a street and the pier and down crescent and all like that and then we started dredging Mm. And that's when, mm. you know, it all just kind of slips Well, not down. to mention the trough at Blowhole from the old inlet, too. Yeah. Oh, of course. So, Absolutely. That opened up in 84. Yeah. 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 And David. David mm. opened yeah. it back up. Yeah. 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 84, it opened up during the Thanksgiving storm. Um, see, I have a theory on all this flooding that we're dealing with on Anastasia Island. Yeah. I, I think it is directly related to when we put the inlet in, the northern tip of of Matanzas, right? The, the, the Anastasia Island yep. has gotten huge. If you go look at the maps, mm-hmm. it is so much bigger than what it used to be right there. And then Salt Run, which used to be deep, all the way to the southern end is now filled in. It's mm-hmm. grass, it's trees. So you have this volume of water that is being displaced at the same time that all these houses got built on all these empty lots. That's mm-hmm. right. And now you don't have a place for the water to store anymore. You've got two big areas that are that are dirt compared to where they used to be ocean. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if anybody's done the volume on that, but it's a lot of water that's now being pushed over the island. Oh, yeah. It's total yeah. sense. Yeah. And, yeah. and then yeah. you think on the south end, you see Matanzas from the sky, and it's just a big ball of sand now coquina sand yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. oh well a it's lot of that like, coquina sand used to be north right, beach right, right. <laughs> well it was funny to watch how it would go when they put the the volano sand on the last re-nourishment on san augustine beach uh darcy and i would walk from a street down to past ocean trace road and it only took like two months and you could see this orange sand mm-hmm. migrating south towards Crescent Beach. And I'm like, man, yeah. if I did that, if I was a contractor mm-hmm. and I put the wrong sand on the beach, I would get 
You know what? DEP, EPA, yeah. environmental. So I'd be in so much trouble. <laughs> You'd be shut they, down. They got yeah. paid to put that wrong sand on the beach. Yeah, yeah. I was like, that is so wrong. That sand should not. We had that nice white sand beach. Oh yeah. yeah. Now it's yeah, all yeah. these shells. The sand is gone. The shells are still there. That's mm-hmm. right. Mm-hmm. You guys are happier. Mm-hmm. Isn't it great? Yeah. Yeah. You're a genius. See? <laughs> I'm, I'm just here, guys. I don't serve. <laughs> this conversation. It is, yeah. All right, so I have to ask your mm-hmm. bio. Yeah. Matt Jeffs. Yep. DPT. Yep. Now I know what a DDT is, right? That was a wrestling move, right? Or or what used to run, yeah, run through. Just- didn't you see you run through that and as kids, clouds? Yes, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. With our bikes. Yeah, with the bikes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That stuff that's is, fine. <laughs> I'm sure it's going to come back to haunt me one day. <laughs> I'm sure there's no reason why there's an increase. I don't know why our parents said, go and play in the fogger. Yeah, yeah. Go and play in the fogger. I don't yeah. know why I wear those things. So what does that stand for? Doctor of Physical Therapy. Okay. So uh, the, I... I have two professional clinical degrees, both uh, my undergraduate from the University of Florida mm-hmm. and then a doctorate from a university in, it's funny you should mention DDT, in Pittsburgh, uh, Chatham University, which their most famous alumna was uh, Rachel Carson, the uh, lady who wrote The Silent Spring about DDT. Isn't that interesting? But yeah, that's... Uh, that's where I earned my doctorate. And it, it was one I flew up to uh, two times a month, and they did one class at a time. It was a great, great opportunity. But, yeah, I earned that a number of years back. I'm trying to fix this microphone while we're here. Yeah, these things, like, sink it, on you. Yeah, I've yeah. noticed. I keep it, If it yeah. falls off, I, I was just trying to fix it, Pete. I like they completely punch. Oh, Susan Johnson wants to say hello, by the way. Hi, Susan. She said she misses you. Ah, Thank goodness. Yes. I I went to St. Augustine High with Susan and Ketterlinus, and it's so good to hear from you. Yeah. That's wonderful. Hey, wow. So what have you been up to? I know you were, you, you've been doing physical therapy in, at the workplace. Not For a long time, you had a physical therapy place, and then, and then you've been in the workplace. So when you're not traveling between here and there and listening to Jared tell you surf stories about how you should be surfing when you're not. Shoot. Yep. He's well overdue for that. <laughs> <laughs> he buys me great boards, and all I do is flounder around on them. It's it's pathetic. It really. Okay, is. so I'm going to show you where the discount boards are. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If only it may he, not he, help him. He got me like a nine foot uh, live wire. Is it a live wire? No, it's a fire wire. Fire yeah. wire. Forgive me. You were close. Wire was in there. Yeah, yeah. And at our age, if we get part of it right, that's a that's, that's a, a plus. That's a plus. Yes. But, uh, is that one of the pretty ones? Yes, it is. It's uh, it's got a uh, like a balsa skin on it. Is that yeah. what it is? Mm-hmm. And inside is a foam core. It's beautiful. It looks like a solid balsa board. But um, I the last time he and I had a good surf trip together was Oahu, wasn't it? In yeah. uh, 2012, mm-hmm. we went to the Vans um, Pipe Masters. Pipe Masters, and watched uh, you know pipeline just crunching. And then we went out to our late brother-in-law, my late brother-in-law, his late uncle, uh, ran Mark Fu's um, uh, hostel at Waimea mm-hmm. Bay. And so he took us to spots that were not heavily ridden. And I just need a wave with a little oomph behind it. And that's all I need. And then it's like, you better get to your feet or you're going to pearl. Yes. Whereas here, I stroke with everything I've got. And I got my chin on the board. Nothing happens. <laughs> and it's like, uh, it's frustrating. So the poor guy tries to get me out. And all I do is embarrass him. This is a hard <laughs> place to surf because we don't get consistent waves 
that are consistently good. We get consistently mm-hmm. marginal waves. Right. Mm-hmm. And it, it's really hard to get better at a trade. It'd be like, yeah, you can go play golf, right? It's 18 holes, but half the holes don't have a hole in them. And, and the you know, yeah. there's goats are on the course eating the grass, right? right? And by the way, we're going to give you clubs that don't work. <laughs> yeah. And all the golf balls mm-hmm. have slices in them, but you'll be fine out yeah, there. You'll like, have a great like, time. Am I describing surfing yeah, yeah. in St. Augustine at times? Well, I mean, it probably describes why, too, Florida has produced some of the greatest surfers of all time, too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's Kelly true. Slater, Michael Jordan of surfing. CJ, CJ Hobgood and his brother. Name escapes Frida me. Frida yeah, and then, yeah. And then all that, came from Central Florida, where then, the waves are not. And then that Caroline Marks, who yep. just won the years ago. Yeah. He, this poor guy, has to listen to my stories of back in the day. But we, one time, we took this guy to Blowhole, who was from Central Florida. This was back in like the late seventies. Did he, you leave him someplace? Or no, 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 no. <laughs> we took him there. The cool thing was, was he flipped out at how good it was. Mm-hmm. Blowhole was, and he's like, "Man, this is like Sebastian at six feet." And I'm like, "Yeah." Be quiet, mm-hmm. but uh, that's that's what it was. Uh, to hear a local from there praise our break was really mm-hmm. kind of a mm-hmm. wow, you know that was really cool. Th- there's yeah. still a few places uh, which I'll talk to Jared about after the show because if I talk about it on the show, no one will let me go there ever again. That's so. right. That's yeah. right. There's still uh, a few. Yeah, there are, there are. He he recommended one place for me, and we got crossed up, and it was a hurricane swell. I think this was 2013, and. I broke three ribs there underwater, Oof. so it was mm-hmm. um, it's an adventure. Yeah. Yeah, right a, before yeah. that happened, did, did you say, uh, watch? Hey, yeah, hey, hold hey, my beer. Hold my beer. Yeah. Or did your son say, mm-hmm. go, Dad, go, no, you no. got this. No, we missed each other, but I will tell you, because you'll appreciate this, mm-hmm. I it, it was overhead, and I figured it was a closeout. Yeah. You know that 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 moment where you go, oh, heck, I'm going to go and just get the visual. Mm-hmm. And that's what I did. I bottom turned. I got up into the lineup. It broke over me. Then it picked me up. And what I thought was overhead was actually knee deep mm-hmm. on a bar. And it just, <laughs> I heard a crunch. I screamed. And then I realized I'm screaming underwater, which means I don't have any air. Yeah. And then I kind of bellied in and I still, I can still feel them. They're right back yeah, there on that side, man. That's, that's my boy. My shoulder right there, too. That's one blew, blew out my shoulder. Thank you. That, well, I had one the last time I went to, to Central America. Um, I'm paddling in because we're going to move to another spot. And I look over my shoulder and I see this decent size, size weight is going to break. So I'm like, well, I really don't want it to break on me and the board. So I just throw the board out in front of me and I'm going to duck under it. Right. It must have caught the board perfectly like a sail. Mm. So I, I'm like hands forward towards the beach it catches the board in front of me and now my board's going to accelerate at like 100 miles an hour it took my foot over the top of my head oh, right oh, yeah. I, I do yeah. a complete flip uh superhero landing on the on the sand underwater yeah. right and then i get out and i'm like well that was that was the craziest thing that ever happened to me i surf for another hour hour and a half and i'm walking back up the half mile to the beach to get to the car my, my right knee's like I don't feel good. Yeah. I just want you to I don't feel good. And I'm yeah. like, well, I know when that That's, happened. Right? I know exactly when that yeah. jerking move. I was like, yeah. was, and I was trying, the leash had wrapped around my other foot, my left foot. I was trying to pull that foot out of the leash because I was afraid when yeah. it, it tightened up what was going to happen to me. And I'm so fortunate that I, I was like, I'll take the knee. 
Mm. Yeah. I'll take the knee. That could have been a toe. That yeah. could have <laughs> been a whole bunch that's of why, bad things. That's why I'm iffy on leashes. If yeah. it's yeah. crowded, I'll wear them. But if it's big and there's no one else, I'm willing to just swim back. Swim in. back in. Yeah. 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 That's yeah. what it is. Yeah. Jared has his share of injuries as well. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. We'll save that for another day. It's a, it's a miracle as much as I you know, talked to Chris Rapero a bunch, and it's a miracle that we don't have more injuries surfing. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It really is. is. Yeah. yeah. Considering. So, uh, yeah. so preventing injuries, though, is one of your things. Yeah. And you're in the field helping people prevent injuries. That's the stuff. So how did you get from in the office to in the field? So we, uh, for the better part of a decade, straddling the millennium, we had uh, our award-winning outpatient rehab center, Ability Rehab Services, and uh, we won every year. We were in the back when you know the record did the uh, best of, and we never solicited it. We just thanked people when they voted us best. And every year we were in business, we did that. Uh, we closed it down. I ran a. Uh, rehab department for an orthopedic group for a while, and then an opportunity came my way that was um, not routine. There was a clinic owner over in Palaka who used to try to coax me over there to work, and uh, one day he sent me an email and he said, what's this? And it was a uh, a contract uh, to work as the on-site physical therapist and ergonomist is how it's pronounced, Mike. Ergonomist. There you go. I said he could be taught. And um, <laughs> I'm slightly coachable. Yeah, I, I see that. So anyway, uh, to go work at this big, dirty, dangerous paper mill. And uh, there were 1,300 employees. And it was a buy-in. It was a contract that a company had all the mills across the U.S., but they needed local providers for each one. So he sent me this thing, and I said, I want in. It was 10K. I said, I'll go in 50-50 with you. Mm-hmm. We did, and I got in there. And it was supposed to be a one- to two-year contract for 10 to 20 hours a week. But within 30 days of being there, the four unions that were there, and this is a union shop, went to um, senior leadership and said, can this guy be here full-time? Mm-hmm. And uh, leadership was like, I don't know. Can you be here full time? And I was like, oh, yeah. And so what was supposed to be one to two years for 10 to 20 hours a week became um, six years full time. Mm -hmm. And the leadership of that plant was just exceptional. So um, the they put together an environmental health and safety team that was all graduate level environmental engineers, environmental manager, a guy named Clark, which, by the way, I'm looking at an email from him right here. Um, And that they allowed that, that the kind of leadership that was there, they're still friends, the leadership of that plant, they've since moved on, but that, um, allowed me to utilize that plant as my classroom and my laboratory and my playground. I got to try things there and was successful again and again and again. We drove recordables into long periods of no recordables. That was never something that happened there. 1,300 employees, that's almost impossible to do. You're not kidding. And so... um, at one point, I went to the plant manager, and again, this is a guy who runs a plant that turns over $330 million in revenue every year. And I said, uh, I'd like to be part of the Manufacturers Association, which there's one here in North Florida, 300 um, uh, 
manufacturers by the name of First Coast Manufacturers Association. And him being, his name is Gary, him being who he was, he um, sat me down and grilled me. And he said, why? And I said, because what we did here is reproducible. Mm-hmm. We could do this elsewhere. So he was one of the tri-chairmen of this uh, facility. The big name companies usually are the chairman of these outfits. And so like Rotary, you don't just walk in and say, I want to join. Mm-hmm. You have to have someone sponsor you, just like Rotary. So I was feel familiar with that as a past president of a Rotary club. And um, he sponsored me. And so I worked with them in their executive summits. And then eventually they were going through a transition where they were upgrading to a – there's a statewide manufacturers association. Mm-hmm. There's one in every state in the union. Florida makes is what it's called, and it represents 5,000 manufacturers in the state. And in the transition, they said, would you come work for us and run a couple of uh, committees for us, the Environmental Health and Safety Committee, the Human Resources Committee, and the Plant Managers Special Interest Group. So for about six months, I helped them through that transition. And then from there, just started working with different outfits training others and how mm-hmm. to do what I do. And ever since then, I've really just kind of been a gun for hire. Mm-hmm. So my business is more B2B. You know, I get calls from um, different outfits, often third parties, who uh, need a guy. And so what it involves is getting these calls to um, – travel the country. I've done some international work as well. I I did some work for the European Union's uh, Directorate General on uh, international partnerships. Four of all places, the the government for the Republic of Turkey. Mm -hmm. Now, that was all online. I was able to train people. I had to get up at six in the morning to lead classes at two in the afternoon. That is the safest way to work there, too, by the way. It is. It is. Just just for the record. Safest way to work. Trust me. Trust me. Yeah. But it... um, Everything that I do now traces back to that big plant in Palatka. See, I look at you, and I think we could use you as as a a plant. We'll send you over to China to do all this manufacturing, and the first thing you're going to tell them is, no, you don't bend your knees. Just bend at the waist to pick up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> think what you could do for our country. For our country. Well, you know, there's a, there's a few stories there as well. <laughs> But that's really where it started. And then from there, I worked for different outfits like one called Summit Professional Education, mm-hmm. teaching physical and occupational therapists this role. Also, uh, they sent me around the country to do these classes. And then a longstanding one in our field called the Back School. It used to be called the Back School of Atlanta. It's been around 40 years. And... Um, where they teach these sort of things as well. So I, it's sort of like I, I have two, I have a teaching aspect of my work, and then I have the gun for hire work. And that's where companies will call me to do this highest form of ergonomic uh, analysis. It's called physical demand analysis. So without getting too far into the weeds, office ergonomics is bacon and eggs. It's mm-hmm. the easy stuff. It's where you start. Monitor height, keyboard height, and that sort of stuff. And how is this table height? Has Pete Melfi set this table height at it's the right pretty good. Height? It's pretty good. You know what your Damn your perfect <laughs> ergonomic height is? Yeah. Is your belly button. Yeah. So if it's at your belly button, it's at the right height. 
for most things that you're doing in front of you. For women, that belly button changes if you have kids. Uh, for the fellas, too, especially <laughs> depending on how much they enjoy. Well, this is a tough height <laughs> for, for Pete. It's just really tough for Pete mm-hmm. to work out because, I mean, he and Troy are roughly the same height. Yeah. Right? But Davey's so much taller. Oh, yeah. That's so why Davey shrinks such, his chair. Uh, yeah. He shrinks his chair. Yeah. It's murder for the tallest ones. Yeah. You know how I saw that solved? One of my trainings in the 90s was at a plant in Maine, of mm-hmm. all places, where they actually made frozen dinners. I'll never forget, chicken, chicken cordon bleu. And what they wound up doing on the production line was tipping it. Yeah. So anybody could find their belly button night. Mm-hmm. Well, you, you just positioned yourself on the production line to where you were right at the right height, and then you folded chicken cordon bleu, but not all day. That was another cool thing they did. Yeah. I forget, there were 200, 300 people in this plant, and they had lights, uh, you know, almost like the uh, lunk alarm at uh, Planet Fitness. <laughs> Every two hours, there'd be a, a alarm, and the lights would go off, and the workforce was divided into four quarters, Mm -hmm. everybody would move. Yeah. It's like 25 to 30 or whatever would move to this section. They'd move to the next section. So everybody could work any role in that plant, which is interchangeable Mm -hmm. parts. That Mm -hmm. way, if somebody calls in sick, it's not like, what are we going to do? Mike's up line for me and he's not here today. He's Mm -hmm. surfing again. But that's also really cool because repetitive motion creates injury. Precisely. And so the fact that they were switching... In quarters, you know, that saves them from getting those repetitive injuries. Exactly. That was the rationale behind it. But it also had those additional factors like everybody knows every job in here. Mm -hmm. So it's not super specialized. Mm -hmm. A couple of birds with one stone. So that's more the industrial side. That's a big step above office ergonomics. Then above that, those... Two are what we call task specific. So mm-hmm. you just work with widgets all day and, you know. Now, above that is called physical demand analysis, and that's job title specific. Mm-hmm. So what that involves is following someone around, interviewing, observing, and measuring, following someone around uh, for maybe half a day. And then you write up a what's called a physical demand analysis. Basically, the lift, carry, push, pull, kneel, squat, pinch, grip, sit, stand, climb of their job. Now, what you do with that information is what's so vital and important. Once you have that information, you can set up a screen. For those of you who are familiar with CrossFit, they have workout of the day. But instead of burpees, we're talking about your job tasks, lift, carry, push, pull, kneel, squat. So you might set up a six-station screen and the person may walk on a treadmill for six minutes, get off, climb a ladder six times, whatever, climb and then off of that, then go ahead and grab a crate, carry it across the room two or three times. Maybe there's a balance task in there. Maybe there's a grip task where they have to hold a drill at a certain amount of time. And then they do that round robin. And it's not a ready, set, go thing. It's not like a timed about. What you're looking for is their tolerance. So are they counterbalancing? Are they breathing heavy? Are they recruiting the wrong muscles because they're getting fatigued, et cetera, et cetera? And that's something that you can then use to coach a person up. So there's three applications of that round robin screen. One is what's called a POET, a post-offer employment test. So you can do that with a new hire and say, look, we just want to get you geared up for the job you're about to do. 
Secondly, you can use it for incumbent workers. So people who maybe they're um, on leave, family medical leave or whatever, mm-hmm. when they come back, or I did some work with a motorcycle manufacturer and one whose name you'd recognize, and they surge higher. Mm-hmm. So they literally only hire their assembly plant workers for half the year to get the model year out. And then those people are let go and then they're brought back because they pay so well. Mm-hmm. So you want to make sure they're ready to take the field and not get hurt. And then the third application, and this is the big one in, in the rehab world in all of it, is that very same round-robin screen that can be used for hiring on, onboarding, or incumbent workers can also be used in rehab. And that's the difference, especially I experienced that at the paper plant, was you're not rehabbing people to whether they can walk, I'm sorry, rock climb or water ski or hang glide. You're rehabbing them to their job demands, and you know their job demands because you did the physical demand analysis. So what you wind up doing, and this was was the big big change, was you compress lost time. You get people back to work much faster. Mm -hmm. And luckily in that particular plant, as I mentioned earlier, there were four unions there. So these were motivated workers. These weren't people who didn't want to work. Mm-hmm. They make their money on the overtime. Yeah. So they were highly motivated. And so it was sort of like, whoa, Captain, cool it. Mm-hmm. We'll go nice and easy here. But they'd get better in a fraction of the time as, mm-hmm. as opposed to going out to a place to a therapist who doesn't know anything about their job or job demands Mm -hmm. all they know is clinical stuff so it's the difference between like in vivo and in vitro in vitro is under glass that's literally what it means laboratory testing in vivo is okay how do you function in the real world can you sling a hammer i don't care if you've got this much in your shoulder can you sling a hammer for eight hours a day and that's the difference well and when i think that's a a huge important thing is when i had a herniated disc 30 years ago, right? Everybody I went to wanted to treat it to whatever their specialty was, right? The massage, people like, oh, we, we, we can fix you with the massage. We can fix you with acupuncture. The, you know, the docs, we can fix you with painkillers. Right. The neurosurgeon, I can fix you with surgery. Now, he was finally the one that fixed it, right? But everybody looked at it that way instead of looking at like, well, what's, what's really wrong with you and what's the best way for you? Yep. This may not be my discipline, right? but you should go there instead. That's not how they're taught. They're all taught that they can fix it. That's exactly right. And they, everybody has their piece of the puzzle, but mm-hmm. don't, doesn't see the big picture. Yeah. And so this is big picture work. And that's <laughs> extremely gratifying. And in recent years, uh, what I've enjoyed was being called by often these third-party companies Mm -hmm. that use me as the gun for hire, uh, I'll share a couple of cool ones with you. They had me go out to Puget Sound for a week, and there were five job titles that they needed the physical demand analysis, all that done on, because in... um, the ones that are really that really have American employers concerned, especially in manufacturing, which is really my bread and butter, is um, the skilled labor. And you know and I know the difference between unskilled and skilled labor. Unskilled is climb down in there and start digging that footer. Mm-hmm. Skilled labor is the person who can wire this place. So that's the, in our realm here, yep. I am unskilled. 
Wait, I have the easiest job. I just talk. Amanda is the skilled laborer because without her, nothing runs. Not a thing runs. Nothing works. The unskilled labor can show up, but no one will see me. I'll say partially skilled because sometimes when I'm here, things still don't run. I'll say partial. That's uh, that's the really important thing and something I learned from those uh, trips. I, n- I did another one for a um, theme park company that is um, head Headquartered, it's all over the U.S., but it's headquartered in Dallas. Mm-hmm. And they're the same thing, five job titles. It's usually people like pipe fitters, ship fitters, industrial electricians, industrial uh, plumbers. It could be um, millwrights. And these are highly skilled re- labor. And, and, Mike, this is the thing that mm-hmm. they're freaking out about. They're of our vintage Mm-hmm. And there's very there they see light at the end of their tunnel. They're going to be retiring soon mm-hmm. en masse, and there's nobody his age coming behind who wants to do that job. No. That they and those, by the way, are good paying jobs. Yeah. I, this is important. These aren't when you talk. It's very important to understand between skilled and unskilled because mm-hmm. I can tell you at that plant. The skilled laborers made on that overtime six figures. Mm-hmm. And without a college loan debt, yeah. and they're worth their weight in gold. And so I get pulled around the country mm-hmm. to do these things because these companies are like, we got to hang on to these guys. Yeah. Nobody's coming behind and them. And they ain't getting any younger. Yeah. Well, that, the average age of a construction worker back around 2008, nine in North Florida is 56 years old. Wow! Right, that was that was back in that day, and yep. there's not any. There's there's very few new ones coming up. Uh, we talked to um, Eddie uh, Corbett, who's longtime listener of the show, uh, grew up with Troy. He runs a logistic comp- company. All of his truck drivers, <laughs> right? All of his truck drivers are at that. Hey, we can see retirement, right? And management, you're going. Well, wait a minute. If we lose five percent this year and twelve percent next year, and then we, you know, all of a sudden, forty percent of our workforce is gone, right? And 60% of what's left is looking out the door in the next five to 10 years as well. Where do we replace all these people from? Good point. Very so, good point. That's exa- and that's Jared's milieu. He's mm-hmm. in logistics and supply chain management, and uh, I use him as kind of my manual material handling expert and with his formal training and everything to uh, understand that as well because – that's a long line. He, it's in his genes. My father made his uh, way in the world in logistics and, mm-hmm. and supply chain. And um, it, as I've told Jared, you know, growing up, logistics and and uh, supply chain, you basically have a crystal ball on the economy. Mm-hmm. As you know, I remember as a kid, my dad would claim an economic downturn at the dinner table a month before it became on the news yeah. because he's seeing what's moving. Well, that was there was an episode somewhere of billions years ago, and they were trying to figure out whether to buy a stock or sell a stock. And so they, they went to all the manufacturing plants where they were and counted the number of trucks that were going in and out. Right? Are, are these guys actually selling product or not selling product? Right. And they did it by counting the number of delivery trucks in and out and how many were in the delivery. I mean, they were mm-hmm. they made millions off of that, but they were smart enough to go, okay, we got to figure out, do these people have the product or not have the product? Yeah. And where are they going? Mm-hmm. Um, do, you, do, you, do your employers and do you see people test driving jobs? 
What do you Cause mean? Because I've heard younger generation will test drive a job, right? They'll go sign up for the job, and then they'll go do the job for about a week, and they go, well, I want to do this route. I'm not feeling it. Yeah. And I'm going to go, I'm going to go test drive another job. So I didn't know if you were seeing that kind of in the manufacturing industry or not. That may be. I, I've never heard it described that way. But uh, like I say, the the concern that I've encountered was this turnover uh, in, eventually of this skilled labor workforce. Um, mm-hmm. Entry level, that's a challenge in and of itself. But... As far as these people who've worked at a in a in a trade in for decades, that's you know what do they call that tribal knowledge? You know mm-hmm. when that leaves the workplace, it ain't just the worker; mm-hmm. it's everything he's discovered and uncovered in his work life that just walks out the door. Well, you you can't put in a book the things you learn, right? No. It happened one time twenty five years ago. You have a good memory of it. You go, wait a minute. The last time this happened, this was the problem. That's right. That guy walks out the door. The twenty five year ago memory is gone. Yeah, and everyone in the manufacturing is trying to figure out, well, how do we fix this? Yeah. Yeah, we keep making the same mistakes over and over, no Uh, doubt. All right, so can you make the transition to robot ergonomics? That, say, I mean, because you you look at this, right, and how do you teach robots, right? Don't hurt yourself as the robot. But please don't hurt the humans working next to you. Right, yeah. And and in this particular plant and the manufacturer, uh, they were automating because of the situation mm-hmm. we just described. Yeah. They, they literally have to automate the jobs. If, if nobody's going to fill this, mm-hmm. then we're going to have to automate. And then... You know, one door closes, another opens. We're going to need people who now are skilled at keeping those robots mm-hmm. moving and working and programming them and stuff like that. I mean, uh, I encountered that as well. I'm trying to remember somebody. There was a, a machine I just worked with, and it was amazing to watch. And somebody explained to me, yeah, but it breaks down every four days. And I'm like, wow, what? what? Oh, it was, uh, it was actually hydraulics. And I thought it was, well, what is it? Is it the hydraulics? Is it the pneumatics? What's going on? He's like, no, it's the software. We have to keep going back in there and tweaking this thing to work right. So, you know, as like I say, as one skill set diminishes, another skill set rises. And I love watching the bricklaying machines inside a warehouse. Yes. Lay a, on a flat surface. Lay, I'm like... That's awesome. Yeah. We've mm-hmm. never worked in a warehouse That's before. That's it. We've never worked <laughs> indoors, right? We've That's never right. worked without rain, without right. dirt, without soot. This is perfect. Roll that thing out on the job site in about 45 minutes, it'll probably be broken and you'll have to take it back to the factory. <laughs> and well, that's the story behind how Jaws the movie became the movie we know. They had a, they had created an animatronic Shark, Bruce, right? yeah. They created Bruce. They did it in fresh water. Yes. And they didn't test it in mm, salt water. Yes. They didn't realize there would be a difference <laughs> running an animatronic puppet in salt water versus yeah. fresh water. Said the person who grew and, up in the Midwest. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so the movie became more suspenseful because they had to ditch the animatronic 
shark for most of it. That's right. So that's why the score became so important. That's why the camera position became the the POV of the shark rather than using, and it made it way more scary. They also used clips from a movie prior to that, a uh, documentary by the name of Blue Water White Death. Mm-hmm. And it was actually, and if you notice, they spliced actual yep. live shark. And then they wound up figuring out the scenes with the guy in the cage. Mm-hmm. They shrunk the cage (laughs) and the guy, and then they chummed the water, and a real shark, not the size of the Bruce, but attacked that, and that was good enough, too. So you're right. All of a sudden, they're on. But, you know, to Mike's point, that's what I always describe as the difference between in vivo and in vitro. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah, it looks good in the lab. Let's see what it's like. And, you know, at this particular plant, Mm -hmm. you know and I know, and I always bring this up. Where we're sitting right now is about 60 miles from where sports hydration technology was invented Mm -hmm. in 1965. It's also about 40 miles from where the heat index was invented. If you may remember George Winterling, he called it humature in 1978. He is credited. I don't remember that. Yeah, so this is back in our day. We (laughs) had another one. Yeah, 78. (laughs) Damn it, I was alive then. I didn't want to be, but I, I hate was. It. This is I hate he didn't remember. <laughs> yeah, finally. I just loved George. George Wendell was the only guy you watched back in the day. That's right. Tim Deegan came along, and he was this hotshot, snotty kid, and no one liked him. <laughs> Because he wasn't George Wenderlin. No, you couldn't, uh, not while George was on the air, but he is credited with that. He saw that 10 years prior to that, wind chill was a thing mm-hmm. and uh, they were doing that up north and he's like i wonder if he could do that with heat and humidity mm-hmm. and he did and he used to call it george's humature mm-hmm. and he him being a member of the national weather service and NOAA, he ran it up the flagpole and they what we know today so i bring those two things up the sports hydration technology and the heat index surround us. What does that tell you about where we work if you're working outside? It's one of the hottest places Mm -hmm. anywhere you can work because we have this high humidity uh, North Florida heat that just saps you. And so at this plant, one of the things we rolled out was something called um, Haymaker's Punch, which actually goes all the way back to tequila. No, no, unfortunately. <laughs> I'm not working with him, Jared. See? I'm just not. What a good production. But uh, <laughs> well, we taught people how to make their own sports drink yes. uh, with, with better ingredients that come in the commercial sports drinks. And we told people you got to prehydrate versus rehydrate, and you, all mm-hmm. these sort of things, because that's what I would say at that plant. I said, you know, equidistance to where you're standing right now is where these two things were invented. What does that tell you about where you work? But, but you're so true. I mean, I, we were on a, a surf trip, real life story, and you get down there and you're trying to you're you're at equatorial region it's hot all the time it's 95 degrees there's there's a lot of humidity down there same situation and you're surfing for 2 hours without getting a drink of water right, right. so you go to rehydrate well i'm not a big sports drink guy and eventually you go, i just don't want the calories i don't want to I, I don't like the way this messes with my stomach so i was just drinking water one trip i'm 2 3 days in i'm cramping up and my buddy's like, you got to drink the sports drink. I'm like, I don't want to drink the sports So I had to drink that to rehydrate. 
So I went and found electrolytes that don't have all that other stuff that yeah. I can add to my water now, and I, I feel a whole lot better. Yeah. I would name the electrolytes, but the guy's a millionaire who has the company, and he hasn't asked me to sponsor yet, so I won't. Well, don't do it, yeah. I'm just not gonna. Well, but and if you want to see the lab where they invented this unsaid sports drink, it's at the Cade Museum in Gainesville. It's really you cool. You could go oh, yeah. there, yes. It's a cool museum. It is, it is, and that's, that's a whole story unto itself, mm-hmm. and also the technology has been around since the Greeks. They called yep. it Oxymel, mm-hmm. and then it followed agrarian cultures around the world. In the northeast, uh, they called it Switchel, which was a mix of um, apple cider vinegar and maple syrup. In the South and in the Midwest, it was called Haymaker's Punch, mm-hmm. and very similar ingredients because, frankly, the honey or molasses or uh, maple syrup, that's your glucose. Mm-hmm. And then the vinegars have all those electrolytes in them, too. Yeah, you missed one state. In Kentucky, it's called bourbon. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's true. Straight up bourbon That's in true. But, um, <laughs> but, you know, there's the old saying – you have to make hay while the sun shines. Mm-hmm. And that comes from the reality. If you've ever tried yeah. to mow wet grass, it just lays mm-hmm. down. You need dry grass for it to cut nice and clean. And it's the same with the big scythe mm-hmm. when you're taking making hay. And that's where the haymaker's punch comes from, that big roundhouse punch. All that comes together. But uh, this is what we conveyed at there at the um, paper plant and got people – Prehydrating versus rehydrating. There's a lot of sports tech in that that has been discovered over there in that town you won't yep. mention. But um, the uh, reality of it is there's things like a pint a pound. Mm-hmm. So basically, if you weigh in and weigh out like a football practice and you at the end of your day are four uh, pounds lighter – that's four pints you need to replenish before you take the field again or take the shift again. So there's little things like that. Naturally, there's also the color charts for in the bathroom and stuff like that, too. We have done a whole lot better since Denzel Washington did the whole uh, waters for the week. Right? Oh, my. Remember the Titans? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, Not allowed to drink water. Uh, yeah, no. We, you grew up with that, too. I know. Well, I no, no, I remember that. And also, that's what got J. Robert Cade so bent out of shape mm-hmm. was he was noticing players and UF um, losing, not kidding, 8, 10, 12, 14 pounds in a practice. And he went to Reeves and said, do you know what's going to happen to these guys' kidneys by the time they're 40s? They're mm-hmm. going to be they're gonna be all be on dialysis or they're going to be stones. Mm-hmm. And so he is the one who was... First, he did the sweatsuits, collected all yeah. that stuff, and then started to mess with it in a lab. <laughs> came up with something nobody— Better him than me. Yeah. <laughs> came up with— I, I just shuddered from head yeah, to head. Yeah. <laughs> rumor, rumor has it's it. It's bad enough I touched my own. Yeah. Yeah. Rumor has it the first batch of Gatorade was said sweat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's some well, flavoring. that's man. what they— Set a Seminole. <laughs> yeah. yeah. They, they try—and, you know, everybody was working on that. So you'll hear Seminole people say, hey, we did it first, and they may have a legit claim because if you'll recall you won't recall but before that was salt pills yeah and some of us remember salt pills and when you started to get dehydrated they give you a salt pill the problem with the salt pill is if you're clammy 
then that's the right thing to take. If you've got past clammy and you take a salt pill, it'll put you right into heat stroke. So mm-hmm. that's super dangerous. So this was a this was a big technological advance in yeah. 1965. If we'd well, like to go off the air, uh, Davy Hartchell has a suggestion of lyrics he'd like you to read. I'll explain <laughs> to you later. Yeah. When we're off the air. When we're yeah. off the air, Davy Hartzell. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, wasn't there this idea that drinking water gave you cramps in like the 40s and 50s? And so that was one of the reasons why they didn't encourage drinking water when you worked out? I can tell you from personal experience, North Florida experience, that when 1978, I worked for a friend who was like the best surfer in St. Augustine at the time. And he was a block mason. Uh-huh. And I worked for him in the summer. So I jumped down into a footer and was digging a footer. After a while, I was like dying. And he said, well, there's a spigot over there, artesian well. He said, but don't let the bear get you. And I said, sure, whatever. And I went and I started drinking from that spigot. And that sweet artesian water, even though it smells like eggs, tastes so good. (laughs) I started dousing myself and chugging and chugging and chugging. I couldn't stop. Then I finished up and went back into the footer, grabbed the the shovel, and everything started spinning. And all that water came back up. And I had to go lay across the the Mm -hmm. bench in his truck for the rest of the day. I I was worthless. That was the bear. And that's that kind of water... I don't know, toxicity. I don't know what they call it, but just pure water will do that to you. It throws your whole electrolyte system off balance, and you literally start seeing things. That's what happens. So I learned the hard way in a North Florida summer what that was all about. Oh, yeah. Well, I went out hiking the Grand Canyon in my early 20s, and what got me out there was the lack of humidity. So here, as a Florida boy, you know you have to drink water when your shirt's soaking wet. Yeah. Out there, you're hiking for hours, and there's like, well, I'm not really sweating. Yeah. Because here, when you sweat, mm-hmm. it, you got to start changing clothes, right? That's right. Out there, you can sweat all day long. You'll never know it. It evaporates. It, it, it not me. And I got dehydrated that first day. It yeah. took me a while to kind of catch up on that. Yep. That's the reality. And those are a lot of the things that aren't covered in the um, ergonomic textbooks. Mm-hmm. And so those are a lot of the things that I convey in the trainings I do and working. Jared was with me with a couple of major manufacturers um, in Atlanta and then also one in Alabama. And I'm conveying all that stuff as well because ergonomics just used to be physical it just used to be monitor height now we recognize cognitive ergonomics organizational ergonomics physical and environmental and so we have a more global understanding of that sort of thing and i'm working now with a silicon valley startup that's bringing ai into it Uh so it's going to become more and more predictive which is not as scary as it sounds because it means it's going to shrink more and more of that physical stuff which expands our role just like we were talking before between what's going to happen is you just have to be ready for change Uh and being positioned to change into whatever things are going to happen so now we look at more and more things like cognitive ergonomics and for instance you may apply that to politics please please (laughs) Please. you know uh (laughs) don't start just don't get me started on that there's a squirrel that gets you in trouble the squirrel just ran through the studio squirrel now it's going to start chasing it yeah. Bring the yeah. collars. Yeah. <laughs> um, if people in St. Augustine would like to benefit from 
your training and wealth of knowledge, is there a place locally where they can meet up with you maybe on Saturdays? Uh, he's off on Saturdays. He's no, he's not. Oh, geez. <laughs> she's done her homework, too. It's been all over the comments. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. So uh, one of the things I do when I'm in the mountains, I have a group fitness class at a big hospital-owned fitness center with, it's like 55,000 square feet with an indoor heated pool. And I I teach three days a week there. It's called Strong Qigong. And I also do it here at Funky Town Fitness. So uh, on Wednesdays at 1130 and Saturdays at 1130. And that's actually my playground as well, Mm -hmm. proving ground as well, because I get to try. So that gets back to the cognitive ergonomics Mm -hmm. thing. One of the biggest uh, exposures in the workforce in the U.S. is called struck by objects or equipment or contact with objects or equipment. What does that mean? It's one of those vague categories. Well, the National Safety Council describes it in one word. Mm-hmm. And one word only. And it's distraction. You see, we have these little <laughs> things in our lives yeah. now mm-hmm. that are literally eroding our attention spans. Uh-huh. So what does that look like? That looks like somebody sticking their hand into something before they thought about it mm-hmm. and getting it ground well, it's up. It's actually sticking the hand in while the other hand's trying to type a text. That too. But well, the point being is you don't have to be looking at one of these things. Uh-huh. What it's doing when you scroll is, is it's eroding your attention span. Yeah. So even when you're not looking yeah. at it, you don't have the focus that you used to. Uh-huh. So we see that it looks like somebody walking across say, an aisle in a warehouse when there's a palleted load on a fork truck doing 15 miles an hour and boop! They get hit. That, lots of categories like that. So one of the things we work on and teach is cognitive focus. That's where the Qigong and Tai Chi come in because mm-hmm. major employers, there's tens of thousands of workers across the U.S. in a number of, of uh, settings that are doing an exercise routine I designed. Mm-hmm. Um, and what they're doing is if the employer is wise enough to give them five minutes of warm-up in the morning, why would you just stop with their bodies? Why wouldn't you focus their minds as well? So if you can do breath work with movement, which is what Tai Chi and Qigong and Shaolin Kung Fu is, I blend that all into a class from my doctor of physical therapy background, and it becomes this kind of meditative movement sort of thing where people feel the strengthening, but they also improve their balance because slips, trips, and falls is another Mm -hmm. big exposure. Mm -hmm. And the contact with objects or equipment, they learn to relearn how to focus their mind. The good news is that can be reversed, but they got to work on it. So if you're going to give them a five-minute workout or exercise routine in the morning, pre-shift or beginning of shift, why wouldn't you work on those things too? So that's Mm -hmm. kind of the difference in what Jared and I do compared to what else is out there. So, and also, uh, the Funky Town, those lights that go off in Funky Town, that's every time Davey gets to another 100 miles on the bike. (laughs) That's why the lights go off in Funky Town. It's every 100 miles for Davey on the bike. That place is so cool. It's just like a, I mean, they literally have a disco ball. Yeah. And it's just like, and they. No, 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 that's Davey's close. (laughs) (laughs) And they put you up on a stage, which is a little intimidating, but that's what they do. And uh, they're they're great people. They're great followers there. Mm -hmm. And that's literally where I get to do this sort of thing and see what people can do. Mm-hmm. And then I translate that into the corporate world and say, okay, we've worked this out. 
And if the folks that can are doing it in a fitness setting, I'm confident you can do it in a work setting. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of how we do what we do. That's how we make the donuts. And we blew through our show today. I see that. So we'll have to do five questions tomorrow. But yeah. really quickly, are you still doing any photography work? Or have you eased up on that? Oh, I've, I'm a fresh new dad. Of, Congratulations. Of, well, not too new, but two, two years old. So Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah. I mean... All that has come into play, and I've kind of well, and, and like we were saying before, there's no real good mm-hmm. spots to set up anymore because yeah. it's there's no real good sand to just position myself and get a nice cool shot really much. But just been doing that. I've I still have my little rollover at the Guy Harvey Hotel where yeah. I sell some, a few prints here and there on the wall and stuff like cool. that. So um, that's but. Yeah, I need I need to get back out once I, once I'm not watching my son on Saturdays and Sundays and actually have time to get out and get back in the water. Then uh, uh, you said he's two. He's two. Yeah, yeah we'll so. see in about sixteen years. Yeah, <laughs> we'll see. Yeah, know, well, yeah, yeah, we'll miss you with, for those sixteen yeah, years. It's gonna yeah. be an awesome well, Saturday and Sundays for you. <laughs> well, we'll miss you. I'm hoping with me as his father, it'll be more like less than a year. But, you know, we'll see. Maybe this summer I'll yeah. be pushing him in on some waves and all that. So That, that is but. a you're, – you're at that really fun age where you just get to have a lot of fun with your kids. Yeah, so, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right around the yeah. corner I'll be showing him all the stuff that, you know, we, we're meant to show them. So, yeah. so. Just like you. Just oh, yeah. like I did yeah. with you. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. That will be awesome. <laughs> Matt, thanks for coming back. Jared, thank you for coming in. Yeah, thank um, you. You have <laughs> stuff going on, let us know. Sure. Um, send us a picture from Saturday. At okay. The class. Yeah. We'll, we'll put it out there next week. And yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, there were oh, a lot. I couldn't understand what the comments were until we got to the end. <laughs> I'm like, what is this thing that these guys are? Because I wasn't catching all of it because I was paying attention to you and not this. So, <laughs> distraction. Want, so I can pray, pay attention to multiple things at once. Ah. Did you say something again? Yeah. Yeah. All right. This is the Mike Davis Show. We'll be back tomorrow. Davey will be sitting in with us. Is Davey working with us tomorrow or is he taking tomorrow off? Davey's always with us. Okay. I just want to make sure because just some Davey's of the other people are working very, 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 very hard on Florida Man Games. But they're not podcasting. We'll see you tomorrow on our podcast. <laughs>